So some of you, I'm sure, know Tom and Jenna Sloan well. Some of you, I'm sure, have seen them. Perhaps some of you have never seen them at all. Uh, first service, I felt kind of bad because I introduced Tom, but you don't know the Sloans if you have never met now, Jenna. Wait, now, wait a minute. No, this is, tr- this is true story. Uh, Jenna, now this woman breathes life and vitality and just... The Lord just comes out of her, and as as is true with Thomas. Thank well. you, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I just I felt like I cheated your family by only well, introducing I felt Tom. Cheated, yeah, so um, amazing family, a uh, couple who came to know the Lord uh, as adults, which I think is a really neat testimony. Fifty years ago this month, they met uh, in Corvallis, some sort of choir, music, something or other. That's right. Um, Tom, you, you need to give him the utmost respect because he went to the best seminary in the entire world. Yeah. Uh, Talbot Theological, which is where I graduated from as well. So uh, 26 years after he graduated, I graduated, we actually had a number of the same professors. And true story, I and his son, their son, uh, were in the same dorm in college together. So we didn't realize the connection until one Sunday morning. We were here, and uh, their son was visiting, and I saw him. I'm like, I know you from somewhere. So it was kind of fun. But uh, been missionaries to Japan for 30 years, came back a number of years ago, uh, back home to Corvallis. And uh, Tom has been on the Go team for a couple of years now, and so he's going to bring uh, an awesome, encouraging message about what the, uh, the gospel has been doing around the world through some of our missionaries here at Northwest Hills. So I'm going to pray for them both, and then Jim and I will take a seat and Tom will take it from there. So would you join me in praying for Tom as he shares the word with us this morning. Lord, I I thank you uh, that you save individuals. Lord, just hearing their story over the years, hearing how as adults uh, you woke them up to the fact that you are a God who exists, who has uh, a desire to know us personally. And Lord, that this wasn't just something that they were taught as little kids, uh, but Lord, truly their lives did a major shift and a major change. I thank you for that. I thank you for the strong evidence of your work in their lives. Lord, I thank you for 30 years of service overseas and for years beyond that here and around the world as they are um, using the gifts that they have to serve you, to love you, to love on people, to serve people. Lord, I pray that Tom, this morning, as he communicates your words, that they would be effective, that we would hear them clearly. And Holy Spirit, we're going to ask that uh, you would open up, just in clarity, your words for us, and that we would have something that we could walk out of here with, something tangible that we could take away and say, Lord, I think I can do this, this week or this coming season. So thank you for their love for you and their love for our church. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Um, Jenna went, grew up here in Corvallis and went to Corvallis High School. And um, Corvallis High School mascot is a Spartan. Michelle, is that right? Okay. And I grew up in Grants Pass. Does anybody know what the, what the mascot is for Grants Pass High School? Caveman. caveman. <laughs> so poor Jenna. She fell in love with a caveman. And Jenna was going to stay home in Corvallis all the rest of her life. But because I was a caveman, I drug her all over the world. And I told her... I told her well, after we became Christian, she, we were, she was 19, I was 20 when we got married. And I told her that uh, after we got through wandering around the world, that someday I'd bring her home. And I brought her home two and a half years ago. And it's been a wonderful thing to live in Corvallis. And um, thank you guys for receiving us into your church. We've been here two and a half years, and I really appreciate it. And I, I also want to thank you on behalf of uh, all the missionaries that we support as a church. 
you know, it's really, really important to have the, not just the financial support and not just the prayer support. Those are, those are of course, vital. But the, one of the most encouraging things that a church can do is be alive. Because when you're over, like we were church planners, we would start churches in Japan. And if you're over there and working on struggling with this little church, trying to get it going, and you look back across at your home church and it's going like this, that's really discouraging. And I want to say that uh, we've been here two and a half years, no pastor. We have never met a senior pastor at this church. And yet I think we have a really dynamic church. I think it's doing very well. And it's partly because of all of you. And I want to thank you that just by being a vibrant and alive church, you're supporting your missionaries overseas. They do appreciate your prayers and your financial support as well. And we want to kind of cover on that a little bit today. The actual, I guess I better turn this thing on. The actual uh, theme for our two weeks here is reaching out to all people. And I'd like to focus on, if, if I were Pastor Rich, I'd say circle that all, you know. <laughs> but we're talking about all the people of the world and uh, the reaching out to all people, both the people here in Corvallis, of course, but we're talking about the global reaching out to all people. And there's issues with that we want to talk about a little bit today. But it says, Jesus said is in, in, in the book of Matthew there, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We're going to do two things, actually three. One, we're going to focus upon the immeasurable riches in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus is, the reality of who he is, is it's incapable to measure the depth, the height, the length, the breadth of his love, but also the character and the nature of who he is, the immeasurable riches who is in Christ Jesus that we go proclaim to all the world. And before Jesus went back to heaven, he talked to the disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, Rick Warren, I think, coined the phrase, a great church is one that, uh, that uh, has a great commitment to the great command and a great commitment to the great commission. And what's the great command? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the great command. And the great commission is go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all the world. It makes a great church. And so we want to talk about that, but we also want to focus upon, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And the thing is that it's in focus there in John is, as the Father has sent me... And so as we go, we need to go and proclaim the immeasurable riches of Christ. But we also got to go in the way Jesus did it. Now, none of us are complete in ourselves, so we can't do it completely the way Jesus did, the way he proclaimed the gospel, the good news. But by looking at who we are in the various gifts and talents and special gifting by the Holy Spirit that God has given to people, we can be reflectors of Jesus Christ as a church. And as the Father has sent me... We're going. As the Father has said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, we're going. And that's what we want to kind of focus on, those three things, the immeasurable riches of Christ, going, and also in the nature of Jesus Christ. So how are we doing on our thing? On Go Focus this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to kind of focus on a few things. Number one, this is a worship service. And we want to make sure that in this service here, it's not just a missionary report. We want to focus upon Jesus himself. We want to focus upon and thanking the Lord for the privilege he gives to us to be those that join him in declaring to all peoples salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the first and primary thing. But we also do want to give an overall view that what Jesus is doing in us and through us. Okay, We will be focusing on one or two, two uh, missionary efforts on each Sunday. And so we'll focus on one this Sunday and two next Sunday. And um, then we want to encourage everybody in what's going on. 
what we have been doing, and we need to be thankful for that, but we also need to maybe think about what can we do more. What else can maybe Jesus be calling us to do as a corporate body, as a church? What might he be calling me to do and you to do uh, to be that one who declares the immeasurable riches of Jesus Christ? Okay? So where are we making an impact? If you look on this little map that we have on the screen up here, the little red, red dots there represent where we have a missionary on, on site or a missionary effort taking place. And um, if you'll notice right in the middle of Africa, there's a whole cluster of them there. And that's because as a church and the GO team, and I don't know who, actually who chose this, but the, the people of Uganda has been the chosen place where we're going to make a, a particular focused effort. And so there's a lot of effort taking place in Africa. And that will, take, that will be reported on next week. But, you know, if you take a look across there, we are really taking the gospel in a, like a belt around the whole world, going, going all the way around. And I think that's really dynamic just to see that little map, to know that, that, that we are in all those places like that. And, you know, Jesus says, take it to all creation. And, and you notice I've taken the, 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 uh, the missionary call from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We, we got it here that we go to all creation to take the gospel throughout the whole world. But, you know, when you th- consider going around the whole world like those, those red dots do up there, do you realize all the different cultures you're going to cross, the different barriers you're going to have to deal with? And when we communicate cross-culturally, it's, it's really different. And um, uh, we may think we're communicating the gospel because we're doing it like we do here in America, but over here in this country, it may not penetrate at all. It may not be communicated. It really may not communicate the heart of the gospel. So there's a, there's a how do we communicate that gospel throughout all the cultures? And the good news is that we find it all throughout the Bible, how to communicate it to various cultures. And, and the Bible even addresses this. Take a look at this passage in Ephesians where it says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look at those words in there that you separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth, you're strangers uh, to the con- uh, having no hope without God is the condition of people outside of God, outside of Jesus Christ. But through Jesus Christ, once those who are far off are brought near. Um, in Japan, we are called um, gaijins. A gaijin, a gaikokujin is the technical term for it. It means an outside country person. And um, we, we are, we, I, for 31 years, we were a gaikokujin and a gaijin. Worse than that, I had to carry in my pocket an alien registration card. And um, when I, back in 31 years ago, when we, we weren't talking about aliens here in America, but I, I kept thinking I was like from out of space. And, and the truth is, I kind of looked like I was from out of space compared to all the Japanese. I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and have high nose. You know, the Japanese talk about Americans, we all have this high nose. And I used to think they're talking about this. Well, they're not talking about this. They're talking about right between your eyes. And uh, this is what you call a high nose person. And so I was really an alien over there, Guy Kokujin. We were separated. But through Jesus Christ, we can be brought together. We can be brought together, okay? So the Bible is addressing it. They can be brought in. And to Paul, he says, this gospel, this message was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
Here we have this word, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. He had the privilege to declare it. That's our privilege. That's your privilege here in Corvallis, but also around the world through our missionaries. And we have the, we have the privilege every Sunday to come in here and worship the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And um, um, some people don't know anything about Jesus Christ. And don't know how rich it is, how deep it is, how wide it is, how glorious it is. We're studying in Colossians, and Colossians talks about the, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. It talks about the sufficiency of Christ. And he is so unbelievably wonderful that it applies to any culture, any place in the world. And that's our privilege to declare that. <clears throat> now, I'm going to kind of show how we can communicate this through three different types of cultures. There's a book written by uh, Jason Georges called The 3D Gospel. By the way, he graduated from the same seminary that we did. Um, It's called The 3D Gospel, Ministry and Guilt, Shame, and Fear. Ministry and Guilt, Shame, and Fear Cultures. And uh, basically what it is, there's a guilt-innocent culture. And then there's a shame-honor culture. And there's a fear-power cultures. And uh, they begin to discover, let me back up a bit, they begin to discover this in this, this nomenclature back in 1954 when a guy named Eugene Nida, he was one of the original Wycliffe translator type of guys, and he, he went to 30 different countries to help translate the Bible. And as he dealt with these different cultures, different cultures, he began to understand that, man, there's a commonality. These are these type of cultures, these are these type, and they came up with the guilt, shame, and fear cultures. And so when we look at the world, we find out that the guilt-innocent culture is primarily America and Europe. The Western world is a, is a guilt-innocent culture. And then if we go to the Eastern world, to China and Japan and India and the Middle East, you're in a shame-honor culture. And if you go to the tribal people, you have a fear-power culture. Now, these are not 100% exact but there's kind of a, a, an indication of how we process things and what are the needs that we have deep into our heart. And um, if you could say the guilt-innocent cultures are those when people who break the laws are guilty and seek justice or forgiveness to rectify a wrong. This is our, our culture. So when you reply that to the gospel, you say, look, you're a sinner. You have broken the laws of God. You're, you have been separated from God. You need to be forgiven. You need to be saved. You need to be, have, be, uh, be redeemed are the words that we use to communicate the heart of the gospel to mainly to our Western culture. However, in the Eastern culture, there is a shame-honor culture. They're a collectivistic culture where people are shamed for not fulfilling uh, group expectations, and they seek to restore their honor before the community. Now, Rich usually starts off his story with some kind of a funny story. And I was going to do that too, and I forgot about it. So I'm going to put it in here because it fits, okay? This is my beginning funny story that I forgot. <laughs> um, you know, um, people like to hear missionary stories. They hear about churches being started and people being saved and baptized and, mission- and ministries start like that. But you know what they really delight in when you go talk to churches? If you tell stories about making a, sta- a mistake in the language, when you say something really stupid or foolish or strange, people really enjoy that more than anything. So I'm going to tell a story about that. But I'm not going to tell a story about me making a mistake in the language. That's, uh, that's too close. I'm going to tell about somebody else that made a mistake in the language. Bob Dagelman was a soldier during World War II, and he was an occupying force in, in Japan right after the war. 
And then he went back to America and was released from the army. And he desperately wanted to go back to Japan as a missionary. Came to our mission board and says, please let me go back. And our mission was trying to decide, do we go back to Japan or not? We had already been there 50 years. Our mission started in Japan in 1891. They'd already been there about 50 years. And they were, should we go back or not? Everything's torn apart and blown apart and poor and starving, disease and all sorts of issues there. Should we send a missionary? And Bob Dagelman came in and pleaded and says, let me go. So they allowed him to go. He was one of our first missionaries back after, I think he was the first missionary back after the war. And the government let him in. The American government was running things. They said, but you've got to stay near a Navy base or an Army base. So he started a church in Yokosuka, a Japanese church, not an American church, a Japanese church. And um, he, he did fairly well. He got a fairly good-sized church going, he and his wife and his family. And, you know, a good-sized church in Japan is 50, 60 people. Uh, average church is about 35 people. And so he had 50, 60 people there, and they're all sitting there. And Japanese, are, when they sit in a church service, they're very serious-minded, very focused, and they, not too much um, laughter or things like that go on in the service. So they're sitting there watching him preach. And he's preaching from Genesis, and he's preaching on Noah's Ark. And so he gets to the part where God begins to lead the animals onto the ark two by two. And God brings the animals from all over the place two by two, and they're going up in the ark. And, and uh, as he's telling the story, he looks in the back of the church, and his wife is back there waving her arms. And she has this horrified look on his face. And what's wrong with her? And he kept going on. And meanwhile, the Japanese are just there, very still and very focused upon him. And, and, uh, and uh, she just had this horrified look on his face. But anyway, he finished his sermon, and they were getting ready to have lunch. And he went back and talked to his wife and says, What were you doing back there? Why were you waving your arms? And she said, Do you know what you just said? He said, No. I, what did I say? She said, You're talking about the animals going on the ark, two by two. And the word for animals is dobutsu. Dobutsu, that's an animal. And the Bible says the dobutsu fatsuzu they entered the ark. And, but he didn't say dobutsu, he said daibutsu. Just a little different. Butsu butsu is the same, but the do dai. He said dai instead of do. And well, a daibutsu is one of these giant uh, Buddhist statues. <laughs> So, so as he was telling the story, God was leading giant Buddhist statues onto the ark two by two. And, and, and the reaction of his wife, she's from America, she was back there horrified and making faces trying to get him to change. But the Japanese, they knew he was saying the wrong words, but nobody did anything. And the reason they didn't let on, because for them to laugh at him or to say, Sensei, you're wrong, would be to shame him in front of everybody. And in a shame culture, you don't want to do that. Because if you're shamed in front of everybody, you have to work really hard to build back up your honor. You know, and as I, as I reflect on that, you know, I think of some of the times that I laughed at people, which was probably inappropriate. Uh, probably inappropriate, and I perhaps shamed people, not even knowing it. And so as we go around the world, understanding how their culture operates helps us in making connections, making relationships, and presenting Jesus Christ to them. Now we have the fear, power people, which are your animistic cultures, the animistic context where people of, uh, are afraid of evil and harm. They pursue power over the spirit world uh, through magic rituals. And um, the, this is it's in your jungle cultures, in your, 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 like where the, in Papua New Guinea and in the jungles of Africa, maybe in, in Brazil. 
Now, I have to remember, no culture is 100% one or the other. We're a mixture, somewhat of this and somewhat of that and somewhat of the other. So culture A may be to look like this, culture B be more shame-oriented, and culture C might be more fear-oriented, but they all have the same things. So in this room right here, there are some of us here today that I, I suspect are dealing with guilt, that you know you've done something wrong, you know you should set something right, uh, you know that uh, you have broken some promise, you've broken... So I say I, Anyway, I want to tell my story, but no, I will. I promised Jenna I would bring her home to Corvallis after 30 years of being a missionary. And I broke it. We came home in 31. <laughs> and the reason, the reason I broke it was Social Security was I could get it at 65. But while we are over there, they changed it to 66. And so we had to wait till I was 66 to retire. So it wasn't my fault, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so some people here might be dealing with some kind of a guilt, and you need forgiveness. Some people, excuse me, some people might be dealing with, with uh, shame. Maybe you're, something has been exposed about who you are and what you've done that it's a very it's a shame, and you need the restoration of honor. And other people might be dealing with fear. And the fear might be the predominant thing you're dealing with right now. And the truth is the immeasurable, the, the unfathomable richness of Jesus Christ will minister to, whether it's guilt, shame, or fear, he will minister to you and to these cultures as well. If we look at the world, we can see that there's, uh, you know, in the Western world, about 1.08 billion people. In the tribal cultures, about 1.42 billion people. In Asia, there's 4.37 billion people. There's a lot of people over in the shame culture part of the world. Now, how does the gospel apply? We could do all sorts of stories from the Bible, but we're going to stick to Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, the, cure, the gospel to the guilt of innocent cultures. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Both the redemption and the forgiveness is listed there. In Ephesians 2, 5, it says, God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. There's that restoring, that, that, that forgiveness that comes through the message of Jesus Christ. That's core to who we believe. You'd go to four spiritual laws or you do these other things. That's kind of the core of what we present the gospel here. For the shame-honor cultures, Ephesians 1, 5 says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.19 says, You are no longer foreigners and, and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Now just think about it. What's the Bible story that fits that just perfectly? One of the stories that Jesus told. It's the prodigal son. The prodigal son was with his father, a wealthy family, and he shamed his father by taking his money and leaving. And it was a shame for his father to, to, to do that, to, to, to the son to do that to his father, his father to allow him. And then he went off and squandered it, and he became a shame himself, feeding the pigs in the pigsty. He wanted to be a servant. And when he came back, what did the father do? He restored him. He restored his honor brought him back into the family, gave him a robe, gave him a ring, gave him a celebration. And that's what Jesus Christ does for people who are dealing with shame. For the people in fear, Ephesians 1, 19-21 says, The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Then we all know Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can what? 
Stand, take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, if you're afraid, if the fear is the thing, God, through Jesus Christ, and the immeasurable riches of Christ, provides power for you. So that's kind of a synopsis of the message that we have as Christians to go to the world. And whether, no matter which culture we're in, the Bible addresses it and presents it. We just have to be sharp and understanding what culture we're dealing with, what type of issue we're dealing with. If you're dealing with somebody in shame, don't talk to them about guilt. If you're dealing with somebody who's afraid of, afraid of fear, the fear, don't talk to them about shame. You know, you kind of have to listen to what is the heartfelt message there. So Paul said, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, the height, the depth, the breadth that is going to hit every culture in the world. So we have to ask ourselves, where are we making an impact for Jesus Christ? And I like this map because every red spot shows just where we are working, where somebody is ministering in Jesus' name from our church that we're supporting as a primary missionary from our church. And I look at that, how that's just a belt around the whole world, all these different cultures, all these different places that we as a people, this church, are engaged in, you are engaged in, taking the immeasurable riches of Christ to these people. Now, we're going to start, we're going to do a real quick run around the world here, and uh, I'm going to only spend about one or two minutes on each spot so if it's your particular spot that you really like and you have a relative there or you're really interested in that area, please forgive me. You only have one or two minutes for each spot because we've got to go do all of this within the, before 12. Okay. So we're going to start in Europe. And what country are we actively worked in a country, in Europe? France, in the country of France. And what's the city in France that we're involved in? I can't pronounce it. I can speak Japanese, but I can't speak French. That's why God didn't call me to France. I, I look at that and I think, hmm, how in the world do you pronounce that name? I'm glad I'm not there. Anyway, I'm glad Lindsay is there. Lindsay Whittemore is from our church, and she's there. And um, she has gone. We're going to talk about gone to take the immeasurable riches. But how does she reflect Jesus? She's involved in starting a church. And Jesus said, you know, he said on the earth, I will build my church. I'm going to build it. This is what Jesus came for. He's going to build a church. And Lindsay is over there, and her primary role is to support a church plant. And she's using her gifts in cooking and teaching English, but primarily in making connections with friends. Look at all these friends that she's with. And she's there making a, making a connection with people, young people. That's where she, her focus is right now, so that the church can be started over there. She's reflecting Jesus' heart. She's gone. Now she's reflecting Jesus' heart that his riches might be made known. Now, do you see Lindsay in there? Yeah, she's right there. She's hiding in the back. She's not hiding. That's a purposeful place for a church planner. Because, see, if you're always out front, everybody's behind you, and uh, they never pick up the leadership. But if you're in the back, and you're, because you're going to leave, you're a guy gene, you're going to go home someday when you're in there 31 years. You're going to go home. And so you want that church to have leaders and people that are active there. And so to have her kind of in the back like this, oh, I think that's a glorious picture of a missionary working in church planning. Now we need to keep going around the world. I'd like to do this one, because our daughter lives right there in the Middle East. But um, that's for next week. So you have to come back next week to hear about the Middle East. So instead, we're going to move over to Western Asia. Now, who do we have in Western Asia? Anybody know? Sarah. Very good. We have Sarah there. And uh, Sarah came out of here. Did you, any of you hear her when she was here a few, about a year ago? Man, she was up here and she gave a dynamic talk <laughs> on the work that's taking place there to take the gospel to these people in the, in the mountains and places that are, they don't have the Bible. They don't have the written word of God. So how does she w- reflect Jesus Christ? 
not by playing baseball and teaching cooking classes. She's translating, helping to translate the Bible into their language. And so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God, Christ. And somehow Jesus wants to get his word. He wants to speak to the people in those, these places. And they need the Bible. And we have sent, God has sent, and raised up Sarah to go there that they might see Jesus through the written word. And she's reflecting Jesus in that manner. It's a wonderful ministry that's taking place, but we've got to keep going. The next one, we come over here to this part of the world, and uh, it's better known as India. Now, India is a very big country, and if you look on there, uh, where in the world is our missionary there, you have to go way up in the upper right-hand corner, and you find a spot where she is. And if you look at that, there's India, and just above India is Nepal, and to the, up above that is China, and then you come back down is, is uh, Bhutan, come back down from that is Bangladesh, and right in the middle is where our missionary is. Talk about a strategic spot. Man, that's really strategic, because these people might come across the borders and stuff like that, and she can be a witness to not only the Indian people of India, but China, Nepal, Bhutan, and Bangladesh, just by being sent to that particular spot. She went. She was making, there to make disciples, but how does she reflect Jesus? Uh, this is Melissa White. I'm sorry, I didn't put up her picture. It's Melissa White. How does she reflect Jesus? As I thought about her standing there with her goats and chickens, and I thought, how does she reflect Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And these dear people that she's working with are desperately poor. And they, part of their livelihood is their animals. And their animals are not well. They're not producing much, and they're sick. And she's a veterinarian. And she's reflecting that Jesus cares as a shepherd. For, the, for not only the animals, but then she can reflect Jesus to the people as well. She's not a preacher, you know, she's a shepherd. <laughs> and she's reflecting Jesus there into that strategic place there in India. Boy, what a place. Let's keep going around the world. Next one. So we went West Asia, we went to kind of Central Asia, now we go over to Southeast Asia. And who's in Southeast Asia? We have the Bernhardts. Uh, Jens and Deborah Bernhardt and Caleb. Actually, they're in Germany, but they minister in, in this part of the world. And why are they ministering in that part of the world? It's because there started kind of a church planting movement among some of the Buddhists in that part of the world that the gospel is beginning to spread there. And believe me, folks, one of the most difficult, there's two difficult places that we haven't quite penetrated in the world to take the gospel. One of them is mega cities. In the, in the larger cities of the world is one of a very difficult place to declare the gospel. We lived in Tokyo, 37 million people in Tokyo, and it's one of the harder places to, to start churches, to, to lead people to Christ. It's, there's an intensity, there's, a, there's a, something there, a barrier there is really difficult. Second place that's difficult is among the Buddhists, the Buddhist world. China, the Buddhist world kind of got wiped out with the revolution, and so there's a lot of churches starting in China. But you get into this Buddhist world, Southeast Asia, and it's really hard. But there are some things happening there. So Yens and Deborah, what they're doing, they're reflecting Jesus by doing research and encouraging the people who are, who are there to keep going. The local churches as well as missionaries, how to do it so that the churches will spread rapidly. So when I thought about them, I thought of Acts 11 where Antioch Church was growing. A lot of Gentiles, and it was, it was growing. And so the, the, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. 
The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to all remain faithful to the Lord and steadfast purpose, with steadfast purpose. I think that's what Yin's Endeavor are doing. They see this, remain steadfast, remain faithful to the work of the Lord, keep this thing going, and they're doing research on there so that 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 movement can continue on. That's kind of what Barnabas did there. And Jesus wants his church to spread there. And so they're not only going, but they're also um, spreading the gospel there. And the way they're doing it is the reason they're in Germany is... um, they do the research in time, over in this part of the Southeast Asia. Then they come back to Germany and write their book. And they need to get away to kind of write their book. And it's actually it's better for them to live in Germany than in America, health-wise and, and health-care-wise and various other, other situations. So that's why they're in Germany. Okay, let's go to the next place. And the next place is down here in the islands of just above Australia, which is where? Papa. Now we have to be careful. You see that straight line going up and down? On the right hand side is Papua New Guinea. On the left hand side is Papa Indonesia. Now, if you just want to know which flag is wrong, it's that flag. <laughs> it's the top left hand flag up there. It's the, that's the flag for the right hand side of the island of Papua New Guinea. Actually, the left hand side is part of Indonesia. During World War II, it was all Papua New Guinea, but afterwards they split it, and this is Indonesia. And, and right here in this little spot here is where we have a missionary effort been going on, and this is the Peter and Diane uh, Way. Why, why? Excuse me. I always say that wrong. Why? I don't know why, but anyway, I always do. Um, and um, what they've been doing, I'd like to ask that, the JAR2 team to come on up, but while, what they are doing is the people there don't have the Bible in their own language. And they need to hear the gospel. And so they've created 20 stories. And they tell it by getting sticks and little things and, and rocks and, and various things to tell the story. And they're training people how to tell the gospel and the complete Bible to these people. And I thought about them. I thought about Jesus. And he told parables. He told the parable of the sower that went out and sowed seeds. And it's kind of the same way. They're telling the story of the Bible through these things like this. And so... After they completed, Peter and Diane completed their 20 stories about the complete message of the Bible, Peter came up with the idea to do it digitally. And so I'm going to let James and the JAR, this is called the JAR2 team, if you haven't known. And the reason it's uh, James, are you in order here? James, Andy, Ray, and... Regina. Regina. I was going to say Rachel. That's not quite right. Regina, thank you. For, and so it's two R's. And so this is the JAR2 team. And they're working on creating these stories digitally, okay? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was interesting. So I, a year ago is when we celebrated those completion of the stories. And uh, technology is an amazing thing. Um, I know for me, I had kind of a first epiphany when we went and visited one of their offices because... When I went on mission trips, all we did was construction. It was dirty. It was labor-intensive. And here they were sitting at tables with computers. I went, wait, normal people can do missionary work? This is awesome. (laughs) And and so technology has continued to progress. And so even though the Taberta people live in a village with no utilities, no indoor plumbing, all they have is some solar, a little bit of electricity, there's no cell towers, but they'll have cell phones, which just blows my mind. And so they can watch video and they can listen to audio. And so we have an opportunity to create video for them to watch on their phones. 
And technology continues to be amazing because of things like the internet, where we can work with Peter while here, and we can have meetings over Skype and actually see him and talk to him, and we can coordinate with him. And we can also transfer all the files over some cloud service like Dropbox. So it's pretty amazing that just regular people like us are able to help out Peter and Diane. And I actually want to introduce those regular people. Um, my... <laughs> Yeah, irregular people. Um, so, um, who's, who's the irregular person yeah, up here? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, anyways, um, my name is James, and I'm not actually doing the video editing. I'm doing more of the coordinating, the communicating, making sure we're all um, on the same page. The actual video editors, I will let them introduce themselves and what they do for a living. I'm Andy Phillips. Uh, I work at HP in the printer division, so I'm normally working with printing. I'm Ray Whittemore, and I'm a retired software engineer. I'm Regina Cashin, and I am um, do training and development for Oregon State Police. Awesome. So one of the things you notice is that none of them said, I'm an expert video editor, and so they can just, regular people can do it. And what we would like to do is show you one of the videos that we're working on. I won't tell it to you. We'll see if you can guess what it's about. And so let's uh, roll that video now. Bagua, 
So that's the video. Pretty awesome, right? Let's give him a hand. That's that very good. So that's one of 20. We still have a ways to go. And um, we have some prayer requests as we are doing this. So the first one is uh, really it's finding the content and getting the licenses to use that content. Um, as you saw, we used a couple of different clips and video images there, and that's just one video. So it's getting that. The second one is really the, the four or five of us, because Peter's in it too. It's just coordinating our schedules and our time and being able to make sure we're all staying on track. And then the third one, which is probably the most important one, is just that when the people see these videos, that it's well-received and leads even more people to Christ. Well, why don't we... You take it with me. Why don't we pray for this first, and then we'll move, move forward. Father, we just thank you that in the immeasurable riches of Jesus Christ... We get to participate here through some of the resources that are here and the people that are here. Thank you, Father, for these dear people that are here creating these uh, videos. Thank you, Father, for the work that they're putting into it. Thank you, Father, for all the effort that it is. We do ask, Lord, that you would allow the uh, copyright permission be given to all these where it is needed and that they would do things legally and in line with you and with the law and that you would help uh, all the people they contact for that copyright permission would respond quickly. And then, Father, we do pray, Father, for the coordination of the effort, that they could all keep in, in time with that. They're all busy people at work and things like that. And ask, Lord, you refresh them and encourage them and help them really make good connections among themselves and with Peter and Diane over there. And then, Lord, we do ask the main goal of this is that the dear people there in Papa would see the greatness of Jesus Christ. They would see everything from creation, Lord, to the end to the end times, the glory of who Jesus Christ is, and they would be transformed by it. 
Thank you, Father, for providing your word, Father, to these people. These little parables that we're sending over, may they bear much fruit, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, I don't think that the ones that they will get over there have the English subtitles to it. <laughs> we, uh, we saw this and we asked them, can you please put subtitles on it for us? We don't quite understand what's being said. And they had to work feverishly this last week to put that on there for us. And we're very thankful for the English subtitles on that. Thank you guys for all your hard work. Well, we need to leave Papa and Papa. Now we need to head over to South America where we have a missionary in Brazil that we support as part of our mission go team here. And the people that we support there are uh, Paulo and Irene. Irene? Okay, however you say it. Again, not Japanese, so Mota. And, uh, and uh, we've been supporting them for quite a while. And also, were you here when Tom Ramsey gave the talk on their last trip down there? dynamic message of what was taking place there and uh, we should be really thankful that we have all these connections there not only with them we support them but also we send all these young people every year we go down there with the team at Christmas time to help out in the ministry there the ministry there is called restoration ministry for the poor some of the desperately in need children there in that area and as I saw the ministry and I went on the website and looked at some of their pictures and things you know this is reflection of Jesus Not only do we go, but we reflect Jesus and let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. What a a dynamic ministry that's taking place there in the name of Jesus, uh, and we get to participate in that. We need to go north now into Venezuela. And who are the missionaries that we have there? Yeah, the Michelson family. And uh, they were there for a while, but unfortunately they had to to come out for safety reasons. And now Jeremy's on on staff here at the church. Yet, one day a week, eight hours a week, he's still engaged down there in Venezuela. And what he's engaged with is taking the gospel into the jungles, up into the tribal people. And Jeremy works with support ministry, helping them with their computer programmings and how to do it and so they can translate it well. And um, here we have a picture of him showing these, these missionaries there around him that they're going to go back up into the jungles and do the translating work up in the mountains, and he's showing them how to hook up their equipment to a solar panel. And uh, I wish you could see the faces of these people up close because some of them are quite amused. One of them is quite amused, and one is sure it's going to blow up on them. (laughs) And (laughs) anyway, but uh, this is what Jeremy does. And they were with New Tribes Mission, and I like that little symbol that they have, the, the... they, the sower takes the sow. Does he just go to one corner of the field? No. The sower goes throughout the whole world. And as we saw with this video presentation just a few moments ago, Jeremy and his expertise in computers and these people with computers, they can take the gospel, sow the gospel throughout the whole world. And that's what Jesus is doing, proclaiming the gospel throughout the whole world. Well, we need to leave South America and come up now to uh, America and to one of the missionaries we support right here, Rex and A.J. Campbell. And uh, Rex, I meet with him every Friday morning for breakfast, and he's the champion coffee maker. And however, last Friday we had so many guys that we ran out of coffee. That was terrible. If Rex were here, I, did, I would talk to him about that. But anyway, and uh, Rex's primary ministry is with uh, college students and primarily with uh, ex-former military people who are going to college there. There's quite a few of them there. And they have different issues than the normal college students does. Rex is a Vietnam vet, has an N with them. He knows what it's like. And um, so he's now ministering to college students, uh, former military people there. 
He also does some support, helping support raising for people. When I think about navigators, he's a navigator missionary, and I think about navigators and the work that they do. Navigators are real Bible memory type of people. And uh, I think of the sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. We've got a hustle here. We've got one more here. And this one's ministry is really worldwide. And when you think about our missionaries, who would be that one that covers the whole world? Yeah, the Whites, Tom, Tom and Terry White. And when I reflect on their ministry of prayer summits around the world, how do they, they go all over the place, but how do they reflect Jesus? In Luke 6, 12, Jesus said, In those days he went out on the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And reflecting Jesus through prayer summits is the way they go. As I look at our church and this whole band of missionaries we have around the world, we are making an impact for Christ, and we are doing it like Christ. We are going, and we're, we are reflecting Jesus Christ through the efforts here. I want to thank you for that, and thank our missionaries for that. And you, too, can go long-term, short-term. Out in the lobby, we have sheets where you can sign up to get the prayer letters from missionaries. You can attend our, our twice-a-month prayer time. You can participate in other things such as welcoming international students. There's all sorts of opportunities that we can be involved in taking the immeasurable riches of Christ across cultural barriers to other people, right, even right here. Now, every one of our missionaries, there's a list of all of our missionaries. You probably can't read it. But each one of those missionaries has an advocate in our church. An advocate is someone who keeps in contact with them, makes sure they have their needs met, do they in prayer letters and stuff like that. And uh, then they re- advocates also report to the GO team. And if you would, when this church is over, if you find somebody with a name tag like this, an advocate name tag, and you ask them, go up to them and ask them, who's your missionary? And tell me something about that missionary. They'll give you a little piece of candy. And the candy is to represent, oh, the goodness of the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we're taking the gospel around the earth that people might know and Jesus Christ. I'd like to conclude with this, going back to Ephesians 3.8. To me, it's reflecting Paul here, but to me, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I take that verse personally, to me, to me. Grace has been given to me to preach to the Gygenes to preach to those who are outside of Christ. It doesn't have to be preaching like this. It can be a shepherd. It could be a computer guy. It could be cooking classes. It could be translating the Bible. It could be building the buildings, buildings and construction. But to me, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, those outside, the Gygenes, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. And as you do, as we sing and take communion, reflect on this, that when you take that bread and the cup, it's unsearchable. The depth of the love of Jesus Christ. Paul says later on in Ephesians, oh, that you would know, he prays, oh, that you know the breadth and the height and the length and the depth of the love of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ is unsearchable. It's not just for you. It's for the Gentiles. It's for those who are outside. And he has called us to be those who preach to those who are outside. Thank you for your part, and we trust that the Lord will lead you and guide you and what your part will be after this to take that riches of Jesus Christ to the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we do find in the Lord Jesus Christ unsearchable riches, immeasurable, the breadth and height and depth of them we can only imagine. And we'll see it someday in eternity when we go there. And even then, we can't plumb the depths of it because you're infinite. You're infinite in all your ways. 
But while we're here, Lord, while we're here on this earth, you've given us grace, and this grace that we might proclaim that wonderful richness in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for blessing our mission, missionaries. Thank you for blessing our church that we can do this. Thank you, Father, for today, that your grace is here today for us. Bless us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.